We are here with Robert Furrow, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Tucson. We are talking about dealing with grieving and hardships in ministry. And we pray that for you pastors and leaders watching that this is a real encouragement to you. Robert, if we had been having this conversation 10 years ago, you wouldn't have really been qualified to talk about grieving. Talk about how those first years in ministry went for you. Okay, yeah, um, we had started in 1985 and um, she wasn't diagnosed until 2011, so 26 years or so. And during that time, uh, ministry, we, we ministered to a lot of people that had a lot of heartaches, a lot of grieving, even children dying, mm -hmm. uh, just coming alongside of people in their grief uh, during those years. But at that point, it was something that God was using us in that happened to someone else. And when you're in that phase of life, it seems like you're moving along and just don't think anything negative is going to happen to you. And I think I, we were certainly experiencing that. Um, you're, of course, talking about your late wife, Lisa, who's since gone yes. to be with the Lord. Um, you all started the church here in Tucson together. Yes, we started it in, again in 1985. I was the youth pastor in Calvary Chapel of Albuquerque with Skip Heitzig. And um, he asked if we were interested in looking at Tucson for planning a church. There was some interest here. We did. Started off with six people and um, kind of grew steadily from there. In 2011, something happened that I think, and you can tell me more detailed, but um, Lisa developed a cough, a really bad cough and a sickness, right? And you guys weren't sure what was going on. Right, she developed a cough and um, they found a mass in this, kind of searching that out, they found a mass in her lung and they weren't sure what it was. Um, the doctor even said, don't be too concerned about it. You know, you got valley fever here in Tucson, you've got some other things. But when the biopsy was done, it came back as lung cancer. And at that point, we were advised that they could go in and take the lobe and it could be a good prognosis. But then we did a PET scan and it came back as stage four, which I wasn't really aware of what stage four lung cancer was or how bad it was. And um, I kind of went into that mode of a, you know, just kind of, I think the mode that most of us men do where I'm going to, do the best I can. I'm going to get her the best care. We're going to take care of this. Uh, you know, God's going to help us. And um, during that period of things being diagnosed, I think that, of course, Lisa, I think began grieving at that point. And I think I stayed busy and kept my mind on God's going to fix this. What better for God to do than to heal a pastor's wife mm -hmm. of stage four lung cancer? We we prayed for her and anointed her with oil during that time. But I also want to say as well that the peace of God, which is beyond understanding, the Bible says, we both felt it. When we were going through the process of things getting worse and worse, every doctor's visit being worse, she said to me one time, I think this is going to be bad news because I have that strange peace again. Mm. And from the very beginning, when we first had the doctor, you know, order the biopsy, there was that strange peace. And I'm sure that a, a lot of pastors and teachers, leaders watching this, I'm sure that they've experienced that to some degree. At a time when you shouldn't have peace, all of a sudden there's peace. It's as if God's telling you, things are gonna be okay. This is hard, but you know, it's gonna be okay. You shared that you prayed and said, you know, what better awesome thing to do than for God to heal this pastor's wife. And at one point it appeared that she had been healed, right? You went through a little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, so after her first treatment, and I, I've learned since then that cancers do respond really well to the first treatment. And it removed all evidence of the cancer. 
so that in the next PET scan, it was totally clear. And we rejoiced in that and thought, God has done a great work in here and um, she's been healed. And I was very careful to say all evidence had been removed and she corrected me, you know, God's healed me. Uh, from her perspective, you know, at that point, God had healed her, uh, but it came back. Came back. So that brings us now to um, 2012, correct? Yes. Um, take us, it, it's a joyful point, and I love when you talk about that all she wanted to do was go see Evan. Yeah. So you are in October of 2012, and you both have a second grandchild born. Yep. And um, it was bittersweet. She got to be there, but describe the months that happened then, and we're talking now, yeah. late October and November of 2012. Yeah, so it came back in June, and we started treatment again, and she went through some radiation, and things were getting more and more difficult. And um, in early October, she began to say, I think God's going to take me home. And I was resistant to that. I was like, no, God's still going to do something here. Um, but our oldest, which is a daughter, was pregnant, and on October 15th, uh, she had our second grandchild, um, Evan, and um, of course, just precious. And Lisa was pretty sick at the time, and she did just want to go see him. So she would say to me, I'd say, what do you want to do tonight? I want to go hold Evan. Mm -hmm. And that was two months to the day before she died that he was born. So she did get to experience that, which is really neat, you know, during mm -hmm. during that time. So... Lisa went home to be with the Lord on December 15th, and you've talked about the fact that you definitely feel that she accepted that truth well before you were willing to accept it. When did you come to the truth of my wife's going home to heaven? So that probably was not until a week before it happened when she really took a turn and she could no longer get up out of bed. You know, when um, if you would have told me that Lisa was a bit of a firecracker, <laughs> and if you would have told me that she was gonna get a painful disease and die from it, I would have said, Katie, bar the door. But Christ just shined through her, mm -hmm. and she died really, really well. And she pointed people to Christ during that time. Um, she took to tell, telling people, I'll see you around the corner, which was a neat, when friends would come and see her, um, instead of saying goodbye, um, because to her it would be like around the corner mm -hmm. that she would see them. And um, so, I kind of came to that realization when things got really bad and she became bedridden. You've talked about and just described a little bit of how she did die really well, but for pastors and leaders who are watching, um, describe, Robert, what it was like for you. How did you balance? You had a church. You had uh, Wednesday, Saturday night, Sunday to teach. Um, when did you say, I've got to take a break and spend every moment I can with my wife? And was that difficult for you to do? Well, I, I taught all the way through the process, but as things got worse, more of my friends came to, to speak for me. So, you know, Skip Heitzig of Calvary, of Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, Gino Geraci from South Denver was here the weekend she died. Um, Daniel Fusco, another Calvary Chapel mm -hmm. pastor. Um, Will Graham came and spoke for us during that time. Mm -hmm. So there were just a lot of people who stepped up. Uh, Pat Lazovich was here regularly during that time. And it was really good to have that support uh, during those really difficult days near near the end. You've been very candid and very honest with the body here at Calvary about describing what it was like for you to grieve in those days, weeks, and months after Lisa passed away. 
um, describe for us, we would think, well, you're a pastor, right? You're closer to God, so I'm sure grieving was easier for you. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no, grieving was very difficult for me. Um, I had a lot of, I had a lot of guilt, you know, and, and I think the steps, I, I've learned the steps of grief are not in cement and not everybody goes through all of them and there's more than what people will say. Some say five, some say seven. Um, but I, I had a lot of guilt and I had anger and the guilt came from, well, it's like one of the last things Lisa said to me was on Friday night, she died Saturday morning, um, as I was sitting in the room with her and she said, you're letting me die. And I, I should have said, I'm here and I love you and I would never let you die. That's what she was wanting to hear. Mm. But instead I got defensive. I was like, what do you want me to do? I just, I was at that point frustrated and um, I look back at that and I think that that's really bad that those were her last words to me. Mm -hmm. And those were my last words to her. I mean, I did talk to her later. The next morning, Saturday morning, I got up. I'd been with her all night. And um, she had the last pastor's conference, women's conference that mm -hmm. she did was about heaven. And she had a little makeup of that, the stage next to her bed, hospital bed. And as she was dying, she was leaning more and more towards it. And I don't know what was happening in her body to make that happen, but it was just such a sign. And so I had gotten up in the morning and saw her a little bit and straightened her up some and gave her a drink. And then she gasped. And she had told me before, I want you to be with me when I die. And I had said to her, I don't know how I make that happen. Mm. You know, we had her mother there, her sister was there. I don't know how I can be here, you know, all the time, but God made that happen. And I turned around and I looked at her and she gasped and gave out her last breath and had a surprised look on her face. And I like to think that that surprised look is her seeing Christ. Mm. But from there, now my grief started because now there was, you know, I kept myself busy doing things. And she had grieved while she was dying and came to that conclusion and grieved the loss of her life and the loss of her health. But my grief started and um, a little anger with God as well. I remember laying on the bed and um, this is probably a couple months after she died and just looking over on the wall and we had a cross there that said, God is love. And I remember saying to God, I don't, I don't know that you love us. I don't know that you loved her, that you loved me. And I just said, just, you can just take me now, I'm done. I wasn't suicidal, but I definitely was at, a, I was not excited about life. Mm -hmm. And if God would take me, I'd be totally fine with it at that point. Um, and so I definitely went through th that while facing grief and, um, and going through it. I um, dealt with a little bit of, um, of anger as well when I started teaching. Mm -hmm. So I started teaching two weeks after she died again. And um, I knew it wasn't that healthy. And a friend of mine who really cares about me said, I, I don't think this, is, I think this is too early. My response was, well, what am I gonna do? Because for two weeks I had sat in my house at night in my chair in front of the TV. My kids are trying to be around a bunch, but they're not always there. And I just needed something to occupy my time. But I did find some challenges in it. Like I was teaching through Exodus and we had the children of Israel being delivered through the Red Sea. And I remember standing in the, right outside the green room, getting ready to go teach it and saying to God, you didn't, you didn't open the Red Sea for us. Mm -hmm. 
And I, and I think those kind of doubts and when you're grieving, those kind of things, if you take them to God, are good. I think God, I can handle those. God knows my heart. Um, I've prayed that God would forgive me for, you know, the Bible says that in these, these things, God didn't, uh, Job didn't charge God with any wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like I felt I did charge God with wrong in the middle of my grieving. I think he did much better than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also, you know, you confess your sins and God's so faithful to forgive you mm-hmm. and to restore. How has going through all that darkness with Lisa and going through the grieving process, it certainly gave you a different perspective when dealing with people who are grieving. But as far as ministry and making you a more effective pastor, um, how has it strengthened your ministry and how has it strengthened your teaching? Well, I think, you know, first of all, when I think about God bringing Kathy into my life, so two and a half years after Lisa died, I, I married Kathy and God returned joy into my life with her. I met her a year and eight months after Lisa had died. And um, God really restored that joy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really good for the church because they've been able to embrace her and they see her care and her love for me. But yeah, you know, the comfort that we comfort people with, when I talk about what I go- have gone through, when I'm really candid about the guilt I had or the, the um, anger that I dealt with, I have people who will come up and talk to me about how much it ministered to them. And it has given me an open door to really minister to the brokenhearted. And I remember getting a, a tape when we first started, I was 25 years old. And somebody gave me a tape from Charles Swindoll to young pastors. And um, he said in there, preach to the brokenhearted and you will never lack for an audience. Having my heart broken, going through that grieving, made me realize that life is a tragedy. Tragedies happen to all of us. And unless Jesus comes back soon, they're going to happen to us, Mm -hmm. but Jesus turns it into a triumph. And if I preach to the brokenhearted, then I won't lack an audience. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people who are going through so many difficulties and struggles that every time that I breach the topic, God uses it in such a a powerful way. Lisa did say to me at one point, um, while she was kind of going through it, I better not find out that I'm dying for you. In other (laughs) words, she was saying, this better not be something you need and I'm dying for that. Um, And that just kind of tells you the way we struggle and and go through things. But God was faithful through the whole process and it was extremely painful, Um, yet God has brought so much much good out of it. For sure, and as someone who, a member here of the church and saw you go through that, I just want to say thank you because you were always so real and genuine and you never tried to put on a front or tried to pretend like everything was okay. You were so candid in sharing your pain and sharing your heart and that is what I believe really made your teachings powerful and helped people to see what you were really going through. So thank you Mm, for that. Thank you, Robert. Thank you very much.